Okay. Well, thanks. Sorry for the um, delay. Uh, I'm Valley Brown, and with the Lower Haight Neighborhood Organization, um, we're here today uh, at the uh, Neighborhood Empowerment Network to talk about safety, um, safety on your streets. And this actual workshop is what we call a 30,000 feet aerial view of what we do. Because uh, the lower height model, we've created a few models in our neighborhood for safety. And some of them are pretty complex and um, a lot of information. And so we're, just, we're going to give you uh, just a little bit of it today. Um, and we're going to talk about how to connect with the different city agencies, your supervisors, your captain at your um, station, the city attorney's office, DA's office, and um, your beat officers or street officers. Um, one of the things that uh, I'd like to, first of all, I'm going to introduce the panel. Um, it's Captain Casiato. He's from Northern Station. Uh, Regina Dickendrisi, she's from uh, the legislative aide, uh, Ross Mercurimi, one, uh, one of our supervisors. Ethel Newland, she's from the DA's office, community liaison. Ali Goss, he's our president of our Merchants Association at the Lower Haight. Ron Liberta, he's a, one of our beat officers. And Antron Barron, he's our other beat officer. And the city attorney's office was at our morning uh, session this morning, but he had to leave. But Regina and I have worked a lot with the city attorney's office, so we'll be talking about that um, uh, today. So in the Lower Haight, our motto uh, is consistent it's to build a safe and caring neighborhood and foster that um, because we really believe that to build a safe neighborhood, you have to really build a caring neighborhood. It goes hand in hand. Um, one of the things that when we started our neighborhood group, which was a couple years ago, we um, got together, we did small event, uh, neighborhood building events like you know community cleanups, um, we started a Google group, a neighborhood Google group, and then we started to outreach to the di communities in our neighborhood that may not uh, participate in those events or have a, a computer. We went into the senior centers. We hand-flyered the senior centers. We hand-flyered public housing in our neighborhood. And then also we went to our surrounding neighborhood organizations like Hayes Valley Neighborhood Association that has been around for many years in a very strong neighborhood association. And we said, let's collaborate. Let's take your best practices and bring them into the lower height and use some of those uh, in the lower height. And some of the things that we've done here today, as in the, with the DA's office, has uh, stemmed from Hayes Valley's best practices. Um, but really, our philosophy is safety for all. And um, when, when we wanted to reach out in our neighborhood, we wanted to. We felt like having it safe enough for your children to be on the streets was really vital, and it was important. And if the children could be on the streets, pretty much everybody else could uh, safely. And so we decided to um, do things with community events that would involve the children and all the children. Like we have a safe path day that we've done for a couple of years where the first day of school, we, have, we just tell the neighborhood, come out, stand on the streets while the kids are going to school in the morning. Wish them, you know, have a great school year, uh, get to know them, tell them, you know, education is really important. We also had the merchants and different people donate 
money and healthy snacks. We got them backpacks, school supplies, so we were able to give them to them. We involved our beat officers, so our beat officers were there to um, hand out the, um, uh, the uh, school supplies and healthy snacks. We've also, uh, what we realized is our schools were very important in our community. So us, with along with our other community partners around our neighborhood, um, went into uh, our elementary school and started a PTA. Uh, there hadn't been a PTA there for 50 years. We started a PTA, and a lot of us, we don't even have children, uh, and, but it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be a parent to be on a PTA. I never knew that before. Um, and so we started the PTA. And we do all kinds of events for the children with the PTA. And we also um, started and promoted and pushed to try to get a learning center in the um, public housing. And we, have, we get volunteers from all over the community to come in and um, volunteer in the, community, in the community room, in the schools, and things like that. And where that connects with the safety is because we really feel that if you know your neighbors and they know you, and especially the children, that you, you're, what we're building is a family. And we want to build a family in our community because we feel this is a great way to be safe. And it also builds, um, uh, it opens a door when there are people in the community that need support services, like drug rehabilitation, um, if we have, you know, uh, uh, homelessness and things like that, that we can actually um, build around this support network. What we've done is we've brought in our law enforcement, which is our beat officers, to help us with that. So they're involved in every positive thing we do also. Not just the enforcement, they're involved in the positive, and they get to know the whole community. Um, but we do have an enforcement um, issue, like probably a lot of neighborhoods, that there are things that we have to enforce. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, the First person that's going to talk is uh, Captain Al Casiato, and um, he's at Northern Station. Thank you very much, Valley. I'm the captain of Northern Station, and uh, I want to take a few minutes just to uh, give you an overview. But uh, one of the things that I'm going to encourage all of you is to really get to know these panelists because you don't ne really need to reinvent the wheel wherever you're located. In your neighborhood, um, they have done a lot of good work. Valley's done a tremendous amount of good work, and every one of the panelists you hear today is part of the team that's done the work in the Hayes and uh, Haight Street and Hayes Valley, et cetera. So learn from them, uh, copy what they did. Uh, really, it, it would be really helpful. Uh, the city attorney, uh, I think I'm getting some feedback. Okay, I think the technical problems are over with. Okay, the city attorney's office uh, earlier today uh, talked about code enforcement. Every district captain has a code enforcement officer. Every district captain has a liaison to the city attorney's office. So if you have a problem, um, a problem property, a problem business in your area, you can call the district captain or you can call the district station and ask for the code enforcement officer and somebody should get back to you. You can check with your district supervisor's office also and they have a liaison to the code enforcement. So I just want to make that point clear. We'll hear about it again, but 
this is a service that the district captain should be able to provide for you and get you into the city attorney system. Um, this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about the patrol plan that went into, uh, was implemented as of 6 a.m. this morning at the Northern Station. We have divided the Northern District into sections. Each section is, uh, there's three section sergeants responsible for the section, one days, one swings, and one midnights. Within that section, there's radio car sectors, and there are also beat officers assigned. The beat officers you see here today are in section one of the northern, and their beat falls within that section. The sergeants and officers that are assigned to, within that section are responsible for the quality of life issues and the crime issues that occur within the section. Their mandate is very simply this. They are to remain on their beats. They are to get to know their areas, get to know the people in the beats, and address the problems in the beats. That's it. It's really simple. Um, I will be judging them, evaluating them, and the successes they have by how much crime goes down and how much your confidence level goes up in the in in the um, in the in, in the neighborhood and how your feelings are and what your perceptions are about the neighborhood. Really, that's what it's about. If you're going to feel safe in your neighborhood, you really got to feel it from inside, and that's what this is all about. And bringing together the neighborhood, the merchants, and all the city services that can come through. And you got to realize that all these city services and all these people that are in city service, we're all part of the neighborhood also. So it means a lot to us. I would measure success if, in, in one of the primary goals that I would say is, I would measure real success of the whole community is if we could, as police officers, work ourselves out of a job. Think about it. If there was no crime and there was no need for police officers, what would police officers become? They would be our teachers and our coaches. In essence, that's really where we're headed if we could eliminate the police. Because who, is the pe who are the primary uh, recipients of our kind of services? It's those young people who are growing up who need really positive direction. And if you think about it, that's where Valley went with that PTA. Positive direction with the, with the youth. And, you know, that sounded kind of weird at first when they said, join the PTA and you're not even a parent or, and you, or your children are grown or, you know. But that's really important. That's where it really starts in the neighborhood. You got to stop, uh, stop that. Um, I'm going to take a moment uh, because we have an opportunity to talk to the audience at home. Um, we, I really am advocating legislation on a statewide basis to somehow or another change the law so that there's a front end to the criminal justice system that will allow us to take persons on the street who are don't quite fit the mental health criteria for 5150, which is a danger to themselves or other, immediate danger to themselves or other, but to try to take the people that are experiencing mental problems and also 
have problems with substance abuse and be able to take them and put them in some type of medical facility to be able to triage them, detox them, and then in introduce them to services all at one time. Because right now, I'm going to give a couple examples. One, we get somebody who's picked up, who's on drugs or uh, alcohol, uh, and they're transported to Hall of Justice. We determine that they're a veteran. We let them sober up for about six hours. We then give them a card to come out of the Hall of Justice as they come out, and it says, go to Fort Miley. They walk out the front door of Fort or, uh, the Hall of Justice. Fort Miley is seven miles away. It might as well be 7,000 miles away. So I would really, you know, if we could be holding them for 10 days or so and really then transporting them to Fort Miley. Um, we have a tremendous problem on the Polk Gulch about the young prostitutes. They're 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, the ones that are over 18, uh, the ones that are under 18, we have a better chance of breaking the link with the pimp because we can take them to juvenile hall and there's more transition. But the ones that are 18 and 19, we take them to the Hall of Justice. They're cited out four or five hours later. They're still in their uniform, and the pimp is waiting for them on 7th Street. If we could break the hold with them because you need to detox them. They can't do the job that they're out there on the street to do unless they're high. And, uh, you know, if we could hold them for five days or maybe even ten days and really clean them up, uh, they'd be no value to the pimp because the pimp would say, I I can't really, uh, I don't know what she's told the police. So, and then maybe we can send them home or to a safe haven of some sort. There's a couple, and there's a couple other issues like that. But I would like to plant that seed with you uh, today about that legislation. Uh, we are talking about it in some different forums. And, um, and if anybody wants to get a hold of me, you can just go to the SFGov website and go to Northern Station and, you can just get a hold of me about that if you talk more about it. But again, going back to this program, I just really want to encourage you to what you hear today, really take advantage of these resources because they're there for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, Captain Casiato. Um, an applause. Uh, uh, and also, in, on your pa in your packets, you have the resource information back there uh, in your packet, so you'll know what you know whether who your police, uh, where your police station, other captains, things like that, and your contact information. So you might want to uh, check that. Um, the next two people I'm going to introduce, um, Antron and Ron, are our beat officers. Um, you know, we're talking about how do you find your liaisons in these different departments, um, but uh, they actually, I didn't find them. They found me. They kind of uh, hunted me down. Uh, and like I said in the LAX workshop, if you knew my background, you know I wasn't really, um, didn't really have much trust for the police, and I wasn't really too... Um, uh, didn't step forward much to actually meet them, so they came after me, and uh, that was really amazing. And so I said, you know, okay, let's try this. Let's try this contact and relationship. Um, but anybody else can contact their captain and ask, you know, who they might uh, suggest to be your liaison for your street officers, because your street officers are the, are the officers that actually know what's going on in your neighborhood day to day. Uh, but the first person who's going to talk is Ron, Officer Ron Liberta, and he's going to talk about enforcement. 
And then Antron's going to talk about um, the support because we really strive in our neighborhood to enforcement and support go hand in hand, and that's in every single thing we do. So here's Ron Liberta. Hi, thanks for coming. And with Valley, we didn't really hunt her down. We sought her out. Um, that was um, because we had heard so many good things about her in the neighborhood. Uh, sometimes the people use the police, they have ulterior motives. We didn't think that with Valley. We thought she was a genuine person and was trusted in the community. And we saw her out picking up trash um, and just lending a helping hand. So we trusted her. We thought that she was sincere and genuine, that she wanted to improve the community. So we went to her, and Antron and I, when we, uh, when we started the beat about a year and a half ago, and we've developed a, a great relationship, and we're continuing to move forward. What we do as beat officers is we go in, or we've gone into Valley's neighborhood, we've integrated with the community, and we're diagnosing and solving problems. We're doing it by some traditional methods, by simply citing people, arresting people, talking to people, warning them. And then we're doing some non-traditional, creative, innovative ways by handling the different problems. A lot of that has to do with educating the community and not by believing what you see on TV. You can't call the cops and expect them to, and say, there's somebody out in front of my house dealing drugs, that we're going to come by, arrest them, and you're never going to see them again. That's not going to solve your problems. We have to know where the person is keeping the drugs, if they're dealing drugs. There's a whole lot of stuff that we have to know that we go in and we educate the community and we work together to stop the drug dealing or the shootings or homelessness, but we all work as a team, and that's the most important thing to get across to everybody. I, uh, I want to say that the best tool so far that we've used is the stay away orders, and that Ethel will get in, into that, but um, my partner Antron, he's going to talk about some of the, the good things that we do besides just arresting people and putting them through the system. So, here you go, Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Officer Antron Barron, and I'm stationed at a northern uh, station with my partner, Ron. Um, I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to use a little analogy. If those of you who aren't, just bear with me for a sec. Um, I liken what we do as footbeat officers to uh, playing basketball or basketball players. Um, you're close to the court. You can see the players' faces, and that way we get to know the community on a one-on-one -on -one basis, whereas if we're in patrol cars and sector cars, basically what they're doing all day, every day, is running from call to call to call to call to call. And what we get a lot of, you know, when we talk to people, well, I don't see the cops enough. I don't see them. They're always driving by. They don't stop. They don't get out. Well, the reason they don't get out and stop is because they're going to a call. I, and I liken them to football players. They have helmets on. 
you're sitting in the stands, you're far away, you don't get to know them, you know, as well as you might want to. So what we do is, is, is a lot different than what they do, and I like it better because I can stand on the corner on Hayton Fillmore and talk to somebody for an hour. It may be police-related issues. It may not be. It may be personal issues, but I'm not responding to different calls that the sector cars have to go to every day. And that's the difference, one of the main differences between the two and what a lot of people don't realize and what you should understand. Um, and that segues into my next part is getting to know people in the community um, on an everyday uh, individual basis. Uh, we go down to the African American Cultural Center a lot on Fulton Street. We call it our second office besides the station. And in that center, uh, they have kids ranging from, you know, five, six years old up to 15, I believe it is. And they do all different activities, uh, whether it be karate class, drill team class, uh, where they go on picnics, backpack giveaways, uh, anything of that nature. And Ron and I go to almost all of them, um, the ones that we can make. I, I think we rarely miss one that was big enough that they've asked us to come to. Um, and during those activities, we play wiffle ball with the kids, football, basketball, whatever, you name it, um, we do. One of the examples I want to give, too, um, they had a black and white ball, which was a dress-up affair a couple Fridays ago. Um, and it was at night, and it was in the Fillmore District. Um, and you had kids from as young as three, four, uh, up to adults uh, who were in their 80s. Um, and everyone stayed till it was over, like 11 o'clock. It was just a good atmosphere for us to see and, and look at and see how different people in the community can come together and have a good time without any problems. Um, and, and, and that's another way that we give support. And another example, I mean, we get kids all the time that we know and see every day. They might have little cousins that come in from out of town that don't know us. You know, they see us on the street. Hey, that's the police, and they start walking the other way. And the kids that we know, hey, no, nah, they're cool. That's Ron and Antron. Come back over here. You know, something like that. That's for us. I know for me personally, it's rewarding for me because, like Ron was saying on TV, you see a lot of negative perceptions about the police, and just to have kids have a different perspective that they're living every day. Like, we're not out arresting their friends and cousins and whatever every single day. We interact and play with them as well. Another example I'll give of, of support, um, and this goes with adults, um, you have your addicts, your homeless people, and things of that nature in the lower Hayes, Hayes Valley, um, everywhere. It's not just you know down there, it's all walks of life. One lady that we know, um, we had been out on the beat maybe a couple months, and she used to see us every day on Haight Street, finally came up and talked to us, hey, you guys seem like you're nice folks. I want to get help. Um, she's a crack addict, homeless crack addict. And we gave her resource cards. Um, she's taking care of some, some traffic citations that she has before she goes into Walden House. So that's something... And I always say we can always give you resource cards and things of that nature, but you as an individual have to want to do better for yourself before we can even help you out. Okay? Thank you.
Um, I just want to say that um, Ron and Antron, that once they did, you know, corner me and I said, okay, uh, what we did is we invite them to everything. We invite our police officers. We have we also have other officers that are wonderful. Uh, and we invite them to everything. And, uh, Ron and Antron are on the PTA. Um, so we invite them to every good event. And a lot of times we see them in bad situations also. But we always invite them. We, we opened our doors to them. And that was really important. And I think that... If you're looking for a Ron and Antron, um, the best thing to do is probably, if you don't know your officers on the street and their personalities, is to call your captain and ask him or her uh, if they know of someone that you can work with, because that's really important. And um, a lot of the stuff we do, we, we also, we've, they wrote a grant for MOCJ, uh, Mayor's Office of Community uh, Justice, and we actually, uh, and I worked with them, we got a grant to educate the community of what we need to do to help us uh, help them in their work. So there's all kinds of creative things that you can do with the police officers uh, if you just kind of like start from scratch and just, you know, uh, think uh, creatively. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, with the DA because we have a real strong partnership with the DA. And you have your liaison with the DA's office also. And like we, uh, Captain Casiato said, there is a DA liaison in every station. You need to get to know that community liaison from the DA's office. They're an attorney at the DA's office. Um, and what we did, and we took this best practice from Hayes Valley, is we have people in our neighborhood that even with all their support, care, and love are not coming and they're not, you know, coming through the door of light and getting away from their criminal activity. So when there is an arrest uh, and they're repeat offenders, one of the things that we do is we uh, have the officers tell us the arrest number when they arrest the person. And then we um, ha hand over letters, and they're called uh, stay-away order letters. And they're letters from the community, all of us, because we're the ones that have to do all this. I mean, that's a really uh, important message is we write letters to the judges saying that we would like this person, this individual, to be taken away, not be able to come back in our neighborhood, just because that disconnects them from their community as far as their criminal community, and that's really important. And these letters, the DA hands the letters to the judges when they're going into court, and the judges have, um, and they read the letters, and they realize it's a real impact in the community. So that way you don't see uh, the person back on the street within, you know, five or six days. And if they are back on the street doing the same thing five or six days, or even if they're not doing anything, they're just in that area, these guys can arrest them right away without probable cause or anything like that. So um, I'm going to kind of turn it over now to Ethel, and she's going to talk a little bit about kind of what the DA is doing with these stay-away orders also. Ethel? Thank you, Valley. And as um, the officers mentioned, it's not always like it's on TV. When you see somebody doing something on the street, they are not going to be in jail for the rest of their life automatically. A couple of things have to happen. And one of those things that has to happen is they have to be arrested. In order for the district attorney to prosecute anyone, they have to be arrested. Um, just because you know and I know and they know 
that something's been done doesn't automatically mean they're going to jail or to prison. The only way the officers can arrest somebody is if they have probable cause. And sometimes that probable cause is you calling the police and saying there's a guy doing this over here and he looks like this and he's blah, blah, blah. And if there's enough reason, enough probable cause, the officers can arrest them. Then we get to what's enough for the district attorney to prosecute. And what's enough for the district attorney to prosecute is evidence. Because the burden of proof in court is a lot higher standard than the observation um, and the complaint that the police need. So in the perfect, in the perfect world, Somebody has called the police. The police are able to get there in time because, remember, they are extremely short-staffed. But the police are able to get there in time. There's evidence. There's an arrest. There's witnesses who are willing to testify, and the DA gets the case. What happens then? The case will be brought to court, tried, and this person is going away to jail or prison for however long it allows. Now, how do we make this happen? Well, in our office, we have something called the Neighborhood District Attorney, the Neighborhood Assistant District Attorney Program, and we have assistant DAs assigned to all 10 of the police districts. There's, an, there's anywhere from two to four assistant DAs assigned to each police, police district, and within those assignments, they sort of break it up by neighborhoods so that there are at least one assistant DA assigned to work with the groups and the police in a particular neighborhood. Um, the lower hate group has two people that they've been working with and others who have also worked with them. What we have done is have the assistant DAs become familiar with the issues in a particular neighborhood. And it changes. It's different from one neighborhood to the other. In one neighborhood, it may be drug dealing. In another, it may be prostitution. It may be assaults, auto burglaries. Whatever it is, the assistant DA be becomes familiar with what that issue is and works with the neighborhood group and the neighborhood uh, district station to brainstorm how we can alleviate this problem. In the Lower Haight, we've worked with um, Valley and the Lower Haight Association and Northern Station to try and have stay-away orders enforced. And a stay-away order is a condition that a judge sets when someone is convicted of a crime. Part of their sentence, part of their pro um, condition of probation is that they have to stay away from a certain area, and there's a, a designated... Um, area from the intersection of, you know, blank and blank. It may be a thousand feet. It may be, you know, the entire district. It may be, you know, maybe the entire city. It's not. We haven't been that lucky so far, but, you know, we try. Uh, and if that person is seen within that area, they violated a condition of their probation, and they're supposed to go back to court, and the judge is going to, supposed to say, okay, you violated your probation. You've got to serve out the sentence, whatever that was. 
it, it wasn't happening. People would be picked up for violations of stay-away orders, and um, the judges were not uh, enforcing their very own stay-away order. So we worked out this little plan with the neighborhood groups, specifically with uh, the Lower Hate Group, where when someone is picked up on a violation of a stay-away order, the neighborhood group would get together and write letters to the judge and say, Mr. whatever his name is has violated the stay-away order, and he is, has been the scrooge, however you say that word, of this neighborhood for the past X amount of years. He's always here. He disrupts our lives. He's um, affecting our safety, our peace of mind, our quality of life. And we want the stay-away order upheld. The neighborhood DA receives those letters, presents them to the judge, and the judge gets a whole different perspective on how a community feels about a specific criminal. We've been very successful in having those stay-away orders upheld. Okay. Uh, another part of our neighborhood uh, assistant DA program is to provide the community with information. Um, and we've all had this experience. We see somebody got arrested, someone who has been a major, major pain in the butt in our neighborhood. Either they're a drug dealer, they're a prostitute, they're a um, a burglar. We know that this person has been doing their thing for a long time. We know they got arrested. Now what happened? How do we tell the judge that this, it's important to get this person off the street? What we have done is made ourselves available to follow up for you. If, you, if there is someone you want to follow up on, if there is an arrest you want to follow up on, you can contact your district station, get the case number or the incident number, or even the defendant's name. Then you contact our office through me. I'll um, assign it to the neighborhood DA to follow up. And then you do those other things of cooperating with the, with the, the DA's office, writing the letters, etc., and the impact on your neighborhood will be heard by the judges. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we actually, in the lower hate with those stay-away letters, we're batting a 1,000. We have had success every single time. And <clears throat> uh, Ron was just talking about in the last session how we had someone that we could not get rid of, and they found, you know, when he actually they arrested him they found out they had like had well, I don't know was it 80 priors or something like that 33 arrests on that same block in the last 10 years so you know we used a stay away order and then he came back they arrested him right away and we haven't seen him since and this is someone that's been in our neighborhood for many years just causing chaos so they really do work, and, um, and we're really um, 
you know, pushing that forward. And I know we've talked to the DA about it and even extending the stay away order uh, perimeter. So definitely. Uh, and the DA, uh, uh, Kamala, had said to us at one point when we met with her that it was something that was really actually working with the judges. So, um, uh, you know, something to really think about, and uh, it's very powerful. Um, the next person that was supposed to be here <laughs> was our city attorney's office. Um, he couldn't stay to the second session, so Regina and I from uh, Mercury's office is going to kind of talk about what the um, – <clears throat> I'm just going to talk about a couple of our experiences and then our successes, and then Regina can give you the um, particulars about that. Um, we, a city attorney's office, what we, you can use them for is what we used them for in the lower hay was we had some property owners, and we had a one property owner that owned a lot of buildings in our neighborhood and a lot of unsafe conditions, unsafe as in drug dealers were able to go in and out of a property uh, an area where there wasn't a garage, there was an opening, but nothing to kind of keep them out. We had, uh, uh, you know, people, violent people living in places. We also had another property owner that owned an illegal guest house, and then on the website, when you, when you researched it, that said, hey, it's the best place where you can just stay and walk out the door and buy drugs and come back in and use them. I mean, it was not a good thing. And so... What we did is we talked to the city attorney's office, first of all, but what we did as a community, because this is really important when you're dealing with properties like that, we actually went to the property owners, both of them, uh, at different times, and said, look, we have some safety issues with your properties. And we said, ABC, these are the safety issues we have with your property. They're really being, it's really unsafe for our neighborhood. Both situations, unfortunately, the property owners were like, too bad, kind of. They were not going to react. And so what we did is we contacted Supervisor Mercury's office, who contacted the city attorney's office, and then we talked to the city attorney, and they brought in code enforcement, which was amazing. And Regina can tell you about that, but what happened is the community once again, and what this message is in this workshop, it's always the community that has to step up first, has to step up and push what you want done in your neighborhood. We stepped up. Uh, they had hearings, cause you ha and then we had everybody in the, uh, we had a huge amount of people going to these hearings. And then they went to an appeal hearing, because they lost, because we were there. And at the appeal hearing, we came out again and said, no, this is unsafe. Both times, when they went through the hearing and the appeal appeals hearing, they lost. So we're batting a 1,000 on that right now, too. Um, but I'm going to let Regina kind of talk about maybe the procedure um, from her office. Hello, Regina Dickendrizi again from Supervisor Mercurimi's office. He represents the 5th District of San Francisco, and the Lower Haight is one of the areas that he represents. And in this particular, um, well, working with code enforcement, as Captain Casiato said, in the city attorney's office, there's 10 city attorneys, one assigned to each station that deals with code enforcement. And the code enforcement, the city attorney pulls together the code enforcement teams to go out and do the investigations into the properties. And depending upon the range of issues, we'll then bring in the, a, a, an inspector from each division, be it health, be it building, be it they always have an officer with them in case there's safety issues. Um, and if there's any issues with, let's say, an elderly person, they might bring in adult protective services. If there's issues with animals, and they'll bring in um, animal care and control. So, but 
from our office perspective so being an organized neighborhood helps set some of the priorities of some of these properties that need attention and dealing with that have a tremendous effect on your neighborhood and with my supervisors position is being very closely connected to the community and having an organized community helps us know these priorities so that we could go to the city attorney and say we really need this property escalated up and have attention paid to before you deal with this particular property because we know the impact is this so that's how our office can help you um, and also I mean we receive information from the captain as well in terms of problem areas but um, just to reiterate, so the code enforcement is one tactic that we use um, in dealing with a situation. Um, and, uh, and sometimes it's uh, that we have to be a little, I don't want to say too creative, but take a look at, at just how we can provide a safe environment for that particular property that has an impact on a neighborhood. Um, okay, so I will, um, in regards to my supervisor, his philosophy is an organized neighborhood um, is a caring, is caring and uh, an important, I mean, an organized neighborhood is caring not just responding to crime, but working in a, in a comprehensive way. And, it's, and so the model that's been set up with Hayes Valley, with Lower Haight, that working in a comprehensive way that uh, the neighborhood is coming together and taking a look at how do we want our neighborhood to look at. And as a supervisor's office, our job is to legislate, and to work with the city departments and city agencies to run the city better. So to be a, an effective voice for you, basically in City Hall. And so what I like to say to you is, our you're to use us to leverage your goals and objectives as it relates to the city. So some of the things that we've done to build a, the comprehensive view is that, um, Working with the neighborhood organizations, as, an, as they talked about the PTA, well, the supervisor's also on the PTA as well, um, but connecting the dots between uh, the community-based organizations that are running the programs that are for the youth, for the adults, and taking a look at the goal and the vision of what the neighborhood wants to create. So instead of just being reactive, how do we build what we want to create together and, and using the tools of connecting the pieces together. So as with the Lower Haight, the Hayes Valley, the Western Edition, now we're bringing in Alamo Square and, and the north of the Panhandle neighborhood, we're work, people are working together to do events, working with the CBO, volunteering, or the community-based organizations, volunteering their time and activities that just aren't just in their block or just within, um, you know, perhaps within their sort of immediate family structure, but looking at the community as the entire family. And that also the vision um, is also that all, all the kids are our kids, and so 
whether they're the good kids, the little troublemakers, what have you, that we're all responsible for their health and their well-being. The other element that the, the supervisor's office does and what Supervisor Mercurimi does is he sits, he chairs the public safety committee. So much of what is agendized or what he focuses and takes a look at are things that have germinated and, and ideas that have come up as a need from the community and communicated, uh, that have been communicated to him. And that the capability that we have is then pulling in the different city agencies and departments and say, here's an issue, how are we going to solve it, how are we going to deal with it? So, um, and it's so that things aren't just working in the triage mode. The other thing that um, our office has done uh, is part of the vision that some of the neighborhoods have wanted is a clean neighborhood. So we've worked with the Merchants Association and the neighborhood organization to do cleanups. And where the benefit of our office being involved is we go to DPW and say, well, we want a little extra. <laughs> we want you to do a little bit more. And so we can help leverage that. So your, your city supervisor can help leverage things that you may not be able to, to quite leverage on your own. Um, and let me just look at my points here. Um, so, and one of the things, Captain Cassiato talked about the effectiveness review. And so, one of the things that Supervisor Mercurimi, when he came into office, which was in 2005, heard a lot about, we ha our district is primarily governed or policed by two different police um, stations, Northern Station and Park Station. And the Western Edition is divided and Lower Hayden is divided between these two stations. And so people were saying, it doesn't quite make sense to us. While we have a police station two blocks away, this station that's a mile and, you know, over in Golden Gate Park is responding to our calls. And so the supervisor took a look at it and realized that the district boundaries hadn't been really reviewed and analyzed in about 30 years. So he passed legislation to make this one of the city's priorities to reevaluate the, the district station boundaries. So that's just kind of an example in terms of hearing, hearing the voice of the community and how a, uh, the Board of Supervisors office can create some vision and direction to help facilitate your needs. Thanks, Regina. You know, um, after the last session, we were at lunch and going around, a couple people came up to me and said, oh, I don't have a supervisor like Supervisor Mercurimi, or I don't have beat officers like you, or whatever. I mean, no, you know, it's true. There's some people that are more involved, just like us as community people, we're more involved, and there's some people in the police department or in the um, uh, supervisors that aren't as involved as as others. And the thing is, I think this is the message because we're the power right here as community, is if we ask our captains or our police officers to be uh, come and, you know, be part of our community and our li liaison, or if we ask our supervisors and we kind of expect them to start doing things like this, this is, we're the power. We will, we're creating models here. 
And I think that that's what we want to also get out to you is create your own model and see what you want and what's going to work for your neighborhood and then ask for it. Ask for it for your supervisor. Ask for it for the DA, the uh, captains, and uh, the city attorney's office. I mean, that's what we really are stressing here as a community. The one last person, and I think it, uh, it, it's important, is uh, Ollie Goss. He's the president of our Merchants Association because we do have – a merchant's corridor, and I think a lot of people have merchants uh, in their neighborhoods, is that this is a really important relationship because a lot of times the merchants are, have their own little agendas, people think, and the neighbors have their own. But really our agenda is the same when we want a safe and caring neighborhood and we want a vibrant merchant uh, uh, you know, corridor or shopping area for us and for everyone else. So Ollie's just going to talk a little bit about how we work together uh, to create that. And, oh, and our, one of our merchants made our banner for free. So, see, that's what you get when you have a, a really strong, you know, pe people in the merchants, uh, you know, we support each other. Is everybody still awake? You guys completely <laughs> fall asleep at this point after that turkey lunch. I think I'm ready to, ready to pass out. Um, I'm going to quickly talk a little bit about what um, merchants and basically how we interact together, there's been a lot about just different pieces of the puzzle, but uh, basically um, one of the things that's helped or works in our neighborhood uh, that I think should work in other neighborhoods is this cooperation that exists between the different organizations. And one of those things is we had a neighborhood association, we have a merchant association, we have all sorts of different people running around, we have police officers, we have city services, it's not one thing or another. And a lot of it didn't come together until somebody stepped up and kind of took, you know, the initiative to make it come together. Sometimes it just takes one person to do that. You know, it doesn't take 50 people to do that, but if one person gets up and says, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to bring all these people together, that's all it takes to actually get something that works in a neighborhood. Uh, I'll give you an example for why Merchant Association and, and Neighborhood Association together works well together. One of the things, I think, when the Merchant Association started and didn't know much about the neighborhood, uh, you know, we kind of got together and we had this idea that, okay, we have our own set of problems over here. We got people breaking into our stores. We got people robbing the place. We got all this stuff going on. And then the neighborhood had all these problems, with which, you know, they're problems that we didn't really understand or know about. But basically what we tried to, you know, once you come together, you realize we don't actually have these separate problems all the time. We actually have kind of the same set of problems. We just have them kind of maybe at different times of day. The merchants are there during the day. You know, they're not usually there at night, and sometimes at night we're all gone. So we, you know, but we experience the day problems, the neighborhood. Neighbor, neighbors are there at nighttime, and they're, they may be at work during the day and experience different, you know, different times, but kind of the same set of problems. So we all have the same objectives to get these things fixed in our neighborhood. So I think coming together, or if there's one person or ten people or whatever, that kind of bring you all together to kind of work together on these problems, it, it, it kind of it, it extremely makes – the problem solving a lot better in the neighborhood. So one of the things once we did get together that we did is basically community outreach quite a bit to the neighborhood and to the merchants and enable people to get to know each other a lot better in the neighborhood and the merchants and people to get to know their police officers and their, their, uh, their beat officers, which also helps with kind of community, uh, you know, just, just, just helps with trust between people in the, in the police department and whatnot. So we started doing quite a bunch of different events. We started doing the cleanup efforts and whatnot. And doing the cleanup efforts, essentially, when you're out there cleaning up, even the homeless people are hanging out, you know, what they're see, if they see you cleaning up, suddenly they get up and they want to help out. You know, they want to help you clean up and do all this stuff. But it kind of creates pride in the neighborhood. And it, it definitely creates pride for everybody in the neighborhood. It makes you feel good about your neighborhood. It makes other people come out that don't usually come out. 
You know, we did the cleanup efforts. We've done barbecues. We do, uh, we do uh, around Christmas, we do Christmas drives. And in the Lower Haight, we actually had one of our merchants put together uh, banners that say Lower Haight, if you guys have seen them along the Lower Haight, which is kind of one of the first things the Lower Haight had that kind of defined us as a community. Before that, we didn't have too much that defined us, you know, necessarily as Lower Haight as one community. But it's things like that that when people come down there, they go, wait a second, this is actual community. You know, it's not just another neighborhood. It's not ignored. It's not, you know, put aside. Another thing last year that we did is basically we started a Lower Haight Street Fair. And this was a major effort between the community and the, the every, almost every city service and basically the, the neighborhood and all the merchants and corporate sponsors and whatnot. And, we, you know, once we got this fair going, we had this, it was coming off the heels of an incredibly violent, you know, summer that we had. You know, we, every, a lot of people were kind of afraid that this, this fair is going to cause some problems or we're going to have, you know, some violence at the fair. But it actually went off without, without a, you know, a hitch altogether. And it was great. And now everybody wants us to do the fair again this year as well. Um, hopefully we'll get to do that. But one of the greatest things about doing that was when you saw the banner of the fair, you saw almost every single merchant logo on there because every single merchant stepped up to the plate and said, you know what, we want to be a part of this. And there's so many people in the neighborhood stepped up and helped out, you know, just from, from standing along the sides, to cleaning up garbage, to everything you can imagine. So basically, to wrap it up, I'll basically say that I think it, to make the community work, outreach is one of the most important things that you guys can do. And it only, some, you know, it only basically takes one person to do that or to start the, the, the ball rolling. It's, it'll, it'll be like a viral effect if you, if you really start it going and do that. Sometimes you'll get thousands of people involved if you just start with an idea and the idea just takes off. And then some, you know, and sometimes, you know, if you get a bunch of other people involved with you, their ideas mixed together with your ideas are going to just create an, an incredible situation and also clean up the neighborhood quite a bit. That's it. Um, we have a question and answer, um, and we also, before we go to that, uh, just let you know you have an evaluation in your packet, so please evaluate this workshop because it helps with the, you know, uh, other ones that we might have. But just the message before we uh, open it up to you is that, and I'll say this, is that, and Ollie said this, you can just start with one or two people, uh, but the power is right here. I mean, these are our resources, and they're our partners. We're a team, and I consider all of them my friends, really, and a team. Uh, uh, but it is the community that really drives the, everything that, that you're going to do in your community. All the good, positive will be driven by you. So we'll open it up. Uh, is there any questions? Oh, wow, we were good this time. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yes. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Well, what we do, and, and actually Mo Magic, Cheryl Davis, is on the uh, community building panel, and we work with her a lot. Um, Mo Magic is a, um, it's like, it came out of actually Bayview, and what she does, uh, and what we all do, we volunteer, we go to the meetings, is they actually um, find all the different support and community-based organizations for youth on up families, 
and they're, they connect it. They connect it to the community. They have special events. The, uh, the actual, the black and, wall, black and white ball that Antron was talking about was put on by Mo Magic. And when Mo Magic put it on, it was in the Fillmore. But what we did is we put a call out to the whole community, Lower Hay, Nopna, everywhere, and said, come and volunteer at this black and white ball. And even though it's not in, right in your little neighborhood, come because whatever happens in, and as you know, no one could put up a huge wall around your neighborhood. So what's happening in the next neighborhood is probably going to affect your neighborhood sooner or later. But the, um, a lot of the different services that you're talking about are on different panels. The, one of the reasons that we couldn't load this panel up more was uh, time. And uh, so we decided to step up and talk about the services. Our police officers have a resource guide that when they go around, they hand out resource guides to families, to uh, the homeless, to the drug. Uh, in our neighborhood, it's usually drug uh, uh, addiction. But also, one of the things that we really believe in and what's what we're talking about here is we, do pre we want preventive. And so when they're there uh, you know, playing football with the kids or fixing their bikes, and they see something maybe that's going on in the family or the parent or grandparent or something comes out and talks to them about something uh, that maybe their son or daughter has a problem, All, everybody here on this panel could give the resource information because that's one of the things that you have to educate the community. There's not enough – I don't think there's enough money and enough um, – uh, uh, resources out there to be outreaching. So as a community, I think you all need to know what's out there. Regina? I also wanted to add that maybe some of those individuals aren't here, but in, in developing your neighborhood connection, those people should be in your neighborhood connection, and that's what's built up into the neighborhood community. And so that's in terms of like from our office, as an example with, with uh, Mo Magic being developed, was that hearing from the community that um, – there would like, they would like to see the community-based organizations a tighter network and setting goals and directions. So if they hear that, that there's kids over here that, that need a program, but they can't go over here to have it, how do we get that program over here? And so, and even, even with our neighborhood organizations, like with Valley Brown, are involved with helping get those programs there. So, um, and, and another in terms of like how we all work together is it started to be apparent as the new funding cycle came down that a lot of the team programming was not going to be refunded. So, the, so, so basically the community came together and came to our office and so the supervisor made sure that those programs were f funded in the add back process, but it was the community coming together. It wasn't just ACBO saying, well, my program isn't going to be funded, but working comprehensively together to say this one over here and this one over here and this one over here. So that we're working in a very kind of macro level with the community-based organizations, with the police, you know, with the neighborhood organizations, with the merchants associations, working all together, having an idea in terms of what's going on to be able to set the direction of the needs. So if that makes sense. Is there any other? Yes.
Yes. If I understand it, you're asking, let me just say for the, the cameras, what you're asking is, is there a difference with a change of captains? Yes. And so far, uh, I can speak personally that it's been a positive change and it's been a smooth transition and we're moving forward at a faster pace than we were before. It could. It hasn't. It's been um, reinforced. So we feel like we have more support now. Believe it or not, we all work as a team, but we don't always agree on this panel. There's been a lot of, of arguments and working problem solving. It's not easy, and we're not done. We're not a finished product. Um, we're still moving forward. If you were to ask me, I would say we're about 40% complete, and it's taken us a year and a half to get there. And we would have moved further or, and faster if we didn't have a lot of the inner struggles. So we don't, sometimes we fight each other, and sometimes we fight the elements out there. Does that help? Well, I, I just wanted to also say you asked if it was hard on, on the community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And, I mean, it's just hard uh, always. There's always changes. I mean, there's going to be changes in supervisors. There's changes in merchants. There's going to be changes in community. And it is. It's a real struggle. But I think uh, I know for us um, with Captain Casiato, uh, he came in, and it was, like, so smooth. I mean, we were lucky. I was a little worried. Uh, you know, because I had never met him before. I didn't know. And then he came in, and it was uh, wonderful. It's, it's been like, it's like we've been skipping down the street together for years. So I, it's perfect harmony. Uh, so, yeah, but it's always hard. And, and as far as us, because uh, we work on different grants and things together and different things, I mean, we fight all the time because I kind of consider them my family. See how you fight with your family, but then after you're like, don't call me ever again. And then the next day you're like, yeah. And then you call them and say, okay, what do we got to do? And that's kind of how uh, it is for us. So, yes. <clears throat> Right. Um, sure. Her question is is talking about what the community's role is in the safety, um, and also what's realistic. Um, I think that goes once again. The realistic goal is every neighborhood's going to be different. Just because it depends on how many people you get involved at the beginning. At the beginning of our model, and like I said, um, you know, I went to a lot of different community meetings in the Western Edition, you know, the Fillmore, Hayes Valley, and I started getting, even though I couldn't get my neighborhood rolling as fast as I wanted to, um, and I'm an impatient person, that I went to these other community groups that were already organized and kind of, you know, uh, the movers and the shakers, and I started getting involved in them and said, Hey, what can I take here? What can I take there? 
And one of the things I did with our community is I started small, like what could we do that would be positive, that would get people excited. And so I did like this event for Safe Path with the, where we ha- were on the streets with the kids. Um, then I thought, ooh, maybe I'll write a, a grant for the mayor's office of, uh, you know, we, we decided and they wrote it of, uh, com- of community uh, criminal justice. And we got it and we're like, ooh, oh, we got to educate the people, you know, some community members now. And then I had a big idea of like, well, how about the challenge grant? And I thought I was just jumping in the deep end. I was going to hit the bottom. And I got, we got it. So it's one of those things that you just got to go and, you know, that uh, toss you in the deep end and swim. A lot of times I think you have to do that. And then you're going to have to set your goals then and be realistic. And it hasn't been easy at all. Yeah, we have a web server. That was a big one. Um, when, when we did the neighborhood cleanups and the events and things, we, would, um, uh, we got a web server and told people about this web server. Now anything that happens, even though maybe there's one or two people on the block that, that's a part of the web server, it's a neighborhood web server, you can set it up like on Google Group if people aren't familiar with that. What we do is that, let's say a couple of people are on that. When we're having an event or we're having a community meeting, we'll say, um, can you make flyers and pass them out on your block? So that way, not everybody, like if you have seniors that maybe not have a computer or a computer, they'll get the, they'll get the um, uh, flyers. We also flyer all of the public housing. We just feel like that's something we have to do because we, they're part of our community. It's, you know, uh, and we want to make sure they're there on decisions and knows what's going on. And, um, and then also, um, uh, you know, we, we try to communicate when we see each other. Like I will tell uh, Ollie something, he will tell people. So it's just kind of word of mouth, putting flyers up, things like that. Um, but it, it, it is, you know, it's not easy. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to make this sound like it's a cakewalk because it hasn't been all the time. But I think when people see something positive, even if it's a little thing, it get, all of a sudden, people that first were like, I want nothing to do with that group, you guys, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, now they're coming and showing up, and they're being a part of it. So that was really important for us. Does that answer your question? Okay. But you're, really, the community, it's all your responsibility. And I mean, that's your role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'll get the pink and then you. What you're talking about, uh, you're asking the question is, um, in, in your case, there's purse snatchings in your neighborhood, and you would like to know what type of time of day they're occurring, who the suspects are, what's the descriptions, and, and what's occurring. Okay, we can, we, we actually have a breakdown by neighborhoods now. Uh, it's totally available. Uh, you can work with your district station captain to get those, uh, get that information. Um, you can call the police department, call your district station captain, uh, and, and he should be able to get you. It's, it's broke, everything's broken down by neighborhoods, and we can actually break down the crime by specific crime to specific areas. Um, we call it in our vernacular the uh, pin map because we identify uh, on a map where everything's occurring so we can have the officers target that. And that's what we're trying to do. If, if you notice, I never refer to the officers as footbeat officers. They're beat officers because I expect them, if they have a purse snatching uh, 
situation developing, and they need to handle that. Uh, they can go in civilian dress. They can go on bicycles. Uh, they can use a car. I'm not, I'm not restricting them to that. And that's information that's also available to you. Um, so the, the information that they're using to determine their priorities and their, for their crime fighting is uh, also available to you through the, through the mapping service. Um, I don't have, I didn't bring the website with me, but uh, I can, uh, if you, it, yeah, it should be on the website now and it's all, uh, all available to you. But if you, if you want to, uh, I'll just make this offer. If you contact Northern Station, leave your name and phone number, uh, I'll have somebody get back to you to give you all the access information to that. Sure. Well, it depends where the suspects are and where they're going to get uh, hit. I know that there's been uh, – I've gotten several phone calls from the Ingleside because around the area, Geneva Mission, Geneva Naples, there's been several uh, – some personages and some issues that um, occurred out there. I grew up out there. My mother still alive, and uh, so she, a lot of her lady friends have been concerned about what's been going on. But I, I can tell you that it, it usually the suspects on a snatching uh, situation will usually be the same suspect hit you know until we catch them and they they'll do that and then and then it then it calms down and then it starts up again depending on on who it is so but uh, yes the information is available to you and should be going out to you if for example at Northern Station if we have a series that's developing we send it out via our email newsletter or we'll do a special alert out okay Yes. It's probably going to be a question for the district attorney's uh, representative. But uh, I, primarily, the stay-away orders that I've seen served, uh, generally the person does not live there, or generally the person might live in the neighborhood. My experience in the mission, my experience in the mission was we had several individuals who lived on Shotwell Street and their stay-away orders were to stay away from 16th and Mission and 24th and Mission. Now, so that's – and there's specific areas. Other stay-away orders are specific to Walgreens. You cannot go into Walgreens at, uh, you know, at certain times. So the stay-away orders, some are very specific, Halliday Plaza, UN Plaza, uh, those, those type of things. I'd actually like to make a comment uh, on the youth question. Um, 
we have a lot of gangs in San Francisco, and I want you to think about how the gangs operate and why they develop. A lot of them are in public housing, but think of it in this way. A child is born in public housing, and they go to school, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, but when they reach about 13 years old, they now are really considered soldiers, and they're now stuck in their two-block square block area. They really, if they move out of there, they're a target. And they're also expected to defend their, their area. They do not, their education suffers. Their ability to get a job suffers. Uh, and so when we were talking about bringing services to them and breaking up those cycles, that's what we're talking about is breaking up those cycles. Part, right. But, right. But also getting involved in the PTA, it really brings resources, uh, networking resources to those parents that have those children in the schools. And you're going to give them a step up in life. You're going to give them an economic step up in life. And you're going to give them a confident step up in life. And that's what you really are accomplishing by getting involved with the youth. Um, having the police officers spend a lot of time at the backpack giveaways and having the officers spend time at the barbecues, um, and you think to yourself, why are you sending officers to the barbecue? The DA is going to have an all-day festival at the African-American uh, Cultural Center on the 22nd. And I'm sending officers down to barbecue and hand out hot dogs and generally be around. They will be the security there, but they're going to be an invisible security. And they're going to be participating with them. And we're sponsoring out of our station fund we're paying for that. So that's our contribution to the event. Our contribution is the security. Our contribution will be the food. But it's to generally build up that confidence in the neighborhoods and, and try, to give, uh, try to give something that will help break that cycle that exists that causes the, the gangs to develop. Another specific point. Supervisor Mercurimi and I took a walk around the housing projects. One of the big issues at Plaza East was the community room is being closed at 6 o'clock in the evening. The kids need to have that community room open until about 10, 10.30. So we made some noise about having a, keeping it open. So I went back when the, uh, a lot of the young adults were there, and I talked to them. And they said very proudly, they said, oh, we've been making a video because we put the uh, computers in there. So I said, oh, I'd like to take a look at it. And they said, oh, you would? Okay. So we sat down. We watched the video. The sergeant and I had been, we were there. So then I talked to them, and, they, and they said, one of them said, you know, someday we'd like to have a film festival. I thought, oh, that would be a cool idea. So I left, and... I picked up a newspaper a couple of days later, and there was an article by, uh, about Spike Lee, about him saying that there, no video producer should have, a, uh, you know, with the Internet, you should always be able to get your stuff out and everything else. So I made a copy of that article, and I put, Northern Station, if you 
produce this film festival, Northern Station will provide the security and close down the street for your film festival. So we went and put it up on, in, on top of their computers. So they're, they're all happy. But then I said to myself, oh, that's a thought. So I asked the criminal justice people at the uh, mayor's office, I said, do you think there's any way you could contact Lucas Films and maybe see if some of their people would come out and maybe do an internship for the kids there in, in that? And so that thought is out there, and that attempt is being made. I'm sure somebody's going to show up. I'm sure Lucas will send somebody there. So w what we told the kids when we stopped by the other day, uh, some of them were outside, and they said, you really mean that about that film festival? I said, yes, I really mean it. And I said, and whoever makes, gets the big break and becomes the big producer, you've got to come back and buy everybody a house. <laughs> so that's, I mean, so, but, but the beat man, yeah, but the beat man that's there, yeah, but, uh, but the beat man that's there, he, he's telling me now that he says, boy, they're, they're talking to me, and they're talking to me about a film, and they're talking, you know, they're, they're, they're all excited about something. But still, we've we got to provide the security because if they move two blocks in one direction, that's enemy territory. So, okay. Well, actually, I can talk a little bit about the stay-away order if you, because oh, we dealt with a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, one of the, we had an incident, and actually our DA was here the last the last uh, session. Is um, we had an incident where the person was actually evicted out of public housing because they kept dealing drugs, dealing drugs, and and um, so. Well, okay. Well, I'm, no, I'm just telling you this the situation. And then they were starting to deal in their van, uh, still in the same neighborhood. So when they went to court with the stay-away order, the judge was like, oh, they live in the neighborhood. Well, we had to, as a community, talk to um, uh, our housing development and say, didn't you evict the pers that person? Yes. Then it had to go back to the judge and said, the person does not live in the neighborhood anymore. They're just dealing with in, out of their van. And we've also had stay-away orders where a lot of times in our neighborhood, I'm not sure about yours, is there's an area to sell drugs. Everybody knows where that area is. A lot of times they don't live. They may live, a, you know, a few blocks away, but you get the stay-away order for where they were arrested. And so what you're doing is you're connecting them from their territory. Now, if they get, if they get uh, uh, arrested enough times or arrested in their home and they're dealing drugs in their home, then you can get them evicted, whether it's a private residence or uh, Section 8, or in public housing. Yeah, and that's the city attorney that you would deal with with that. But it's usually, when we have stay-away orders, it's from them, and mainly a lot of it's drugs, and they're in their territory, and it's not right in their home where they live. So that's a way of doing it, is you get the stay-away order from the area they were arrested, and it completely disconnects them from that block, two-block area. They can't be there. Mm -hmm. So you could get a stay-away order from the park. Exactly, exactly. One. Well, I just wanted to add in terms of this, the stay-away order um, project or the, what the Hayes Valley and, and Lower Haight have worked on is that they've had the DA's office at their meetings as, as they've been the representative as they've been working on the issues to help figure out how best to deal with these particular situations. So if your DA representative is not there, then 
um, and Ethel can tell you who that. Okay. So, um, so I would talk to your the DA because they were instrumental in help figuring all that out. And one other thing about the stay-away orders, when they're set up, they can be as specific or as general as needs be. So if somebody lives very close to where the stay-away order is, and the stay-away order specifically is where he or she was doing business, there can be exceptions and conditions in it that say that this person can go to and from their house you know, they can go from the bus stop um, to their house. They can't be on the corner of, say, 16th Emission um, and loitering there for the purpose of selling drugs or the purpose of committing whatever their, their crime was. But they can walk through it to go home. They can be at the, you know, they can take a bus from there if they can't find any place else to take a bus. So it, it can be spelled out that specifically so as not to restrict somebody from going to or from their home. Are there any other questions? Any other questions? That's it? Oh, yes. Absolutely, because Octavia Boulevard, they come through our neighborhood like it's the freeway, coming to get on the freeway. They, rare, they barely stop at the, the stop signs. They turn, the, you know, they turn on the red lights, and the kids are standing on Fillmore and Haight Street, and they're, they're just coming on through. Um, and so one, when we did the pace, safe path, what we did is we all held up signs saying, slow down. It's school year. And one of the things that we also promote, because like Regina says, our, our philosophy is all the children are our responsibility. And a lot of the bus stops that the children are going to, to get on to their schools, we're also there going to work. And so we're telling the community, watch out for the kids. You know, if a kid is standing off of the curb, say, you know, tell the child, come on, get back on the curb. This is, this is not safe. So what we're really doing is, is saying this is we all have to be family. Act like, you know, if you see a child or someone uh, uh, that, you know, needs uh, maybe a little bit of advice to get back on the curb, let them know and do it in a kindly way. So, uh, but we've been having that. We've been having a huge safety problem with the traffic. And I think anybody that's been in our neighborhood um, or around Octavia Boulevard will let you know. Yeah. On the traffic issue, one of the best things that's happened to San Francisco is 311. Uh, because there's a lot of... San Francisco, to drive in San Francisco or any type of traffic in San Francisco is just a, a really horrendous nightmare. It's an engineering nightmare. It's just, the city was never designed for uh, and it grew up in a manner that just not designed for this. But there's a lot of things that you can look uh, for. Trees that are overgrown that are now covering a sign or starting to cover a sign, call in right away so DPW can get over there and, and trim them back. Uh, lines that need to be painted, call in, get them. Uh, DPT, DPW, they have inspectors that are going out and around, but they can't catch everything. And basically, you're the eyes and ears for city government, and using that 311 is really important because it gives you a tracking number, and it's a, and it's a, it's like a work order number. So anything you can do, uh, you know, look, listen, and, uh, also, you can make a phone call, like, for example, if, um, 
we're working on, on a project down in the marina right now that deals with, it came to our attention, some uh, person who's a bicyclist noticed and actually timed one of the lights and s discovered it was out of sequence. So we got that over to uh, DPT and, you know, they're correcting it. But also in the course of correcting that, they found out that it, there was two contradictory work orders, one with the state and one with the city. And there had, you know, so, so you discover those things, especially along boundary lines. And then, uh, as you know, Van Ness and Lombard Street are state highways. So that's a... Yes, I'm going to let Regina talk about that because that's just something they can do. Um, well, the MTA, DPT, MTA, they have a specific traffic calming form that you can fill out. You need to get a certain number of residents if it's on a certain block or a certain area that you send in. Um, and they'll come out and do a traffic calming um, an analysis to give some recommendations as to maybe doing some bulb outs or what have you. Uh, though the caveat is it's not necessarily one of the most expedient methods. So again, going back to the city supervisor being in contact with the city supervisor's office so that I know <laughs> you can help because we because there may be things that we can sort of talk to DPT or MTA and say, hey, can we move this one up? You know, can we get this? expedited and assist in that way. So, um, but there are, you can have a traffic calming analysis done. Question back here. Yeah, the uh, question is, when are the uh, bathrooms at Northern Station going to be repaired? I've put work orders in for every one of the things I've did. Uh, quite frankly, the, uh, I'm just completing my first month there. The first month involved doing an inventory of the station, doing an audit of the station, and um, so everything's been submitted. Uh, I'm making a lot of noise about it, so hopefully everything will be repaired very shortly. But uh, it is. It, the uh, the station, uh, I last worked at the station in 1991, and uh, the station is in quite a bit of disrepair. I'm not happy with the facility at all. I'm actually very disappointed with the facility, and um, I'm not pleased. So, and uh, that's all I can say about that. Ron and Antron, do you have anything to say about that? Want to start cleaning? <laughs> I've been using the bathroom in the back. You ask for me, I'll take you around in the back. <laughs> okay. Now we're going back. We're about bathroom humor now. Oh, boy. We're getting low. Is any other questions? Well, thank you uh, for all coming on your Saturday. Really appreciate it. And... Um, Remember your evaluations. I think we have a volunteer, there he is, back there, that will collect your evaluations. And um, thank you, and we'll see you soon. I have a card also if anybody wants 
more information. I can give you more detailed information about the stuff we're doing, um, the models we're doing, working on. So thanks a lot.